All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. in my office and I heard a ruckus. Describe the ruckus, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? I'm in my prime. Ain't it cool? First you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. Blow. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. What up, everyone? DJ Nubis. And DJ Neko. With you, episode 68 of the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. New episode of The Hordes of Chaos. The Hordes of Chaos. How are you, Neko? I'm doing great. Especially since we have now surpassed our 1,000 downloads. Yay! Yeah. So we're continuing to do very well. And uh, ironically, we got a chance last week last Friday to be exact, to meet another uh, pair that do a metal show called Metalomania down in uh, Dunkirk, Maryland. Yeah, we're Dundalk, they're Dunkirk. Yeah, D&D. Woohoo! <laughs> Double D, baby. We're nerds. Uh, so, yeah, like, I forget how exactly I met Crypt Online, but I think it's through Sky. And, um... Because we're all networking together, you know, and I'm finding new bands uh, through Metal Mania that I, you know, talk with some of the musicians involved. We'll be playing some of their music. Yeah, we, we, and we're also sharing a lot of uh, bands that we've found through each other. So we're, yeah. you know, we'll we'll watch their show and we're like, oh, we really like that interview he did. So we'll download the album and we're like, oh, wow, we really like this band. And then our thing always is like... We try to buy stuff from the band, so like Oculum Dei and uh, Cruel Bomb. I'm trying to Brave think. Huffer. Brave Huffer. I'm trying to think of the couple that we've snipers, di- snipers Nomas, like who, who we've discovered like kind of through them. We actually knew snipers before, right. um, but they, you know, it's kind of like a small metal community in Maryland. So, you know, if if we know them, then sure, Krypton Scully would know them. But so, yeah, that's a great thing. Like they're about an hour or so away from us, but really to have what i would call two great metal shows in maryland uh that do a lot for the underground which i truly believe we do we put a lot of work in i know they put a lot of work in krypton scully for their show and so do we and i think the most important thing um you know especially since we do interviews and they do interviews as well it's 
you're really getting the artist's voice out to everyone. But we had a chance to meet them last week. We had a uh, we really good down. time. Yeah, hung out with them for an evening. Had the fire pit going. Originally, it was slated mainly to be like, because Crypt and I are working on our have mid-year best of records. And uh, we never got around to doing that because he had gotten a new computer and was having some technical issues there. But we, uh, it was also just nice just to ch actually chill, actually, and just get to know them uh, and, you know. Just... You and Crypt are so similar, like, <laughs> just, you know. We are, and just like you and Scully are, it's really weird. It's like this parallel, parallel universe. Parallel. Parallel. Blah, 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 blah. And I haven't even been drinking it today. It's the cotton mouth. <laughs> Remember, uh, what's his face, uh, Jim Carrey and me, myself, and yes. I, <laughs> the pills he was taking. <laughs> but, uh, anyway. yeah, anyway, uh, it was really fun meeting them, and we'll probably get together with them again a few times, maybe have them come up to us. Yeah, but their house is way bigger than ours. Yeah, but we got room. We do, we do, I mean. It's only us. It's not like we have, like, shit ton of people here every week. Yeah. True, and I mean, down, like, we we try to make our space functional, like... We've actually done a really good job, like, literally... We have 890 square we're feet. We're in a row home, but we technically could house... Close to six, seven people if we wanted to. We have a, a spare bed in the second bedroom, which is only for one person it's a smaller size we have a queen size pull out sofa and we have two full size Futon. futons plus we also have two um queen size air mattresses that are available in case of emergency yeah so it's like it's like we make do with what we got and that's what i mean by like we try to make our space functional like our dining room we had this giant like whole set i don't know how to it was like a this table that expanded and chairs and all kinds of shit and I'm like we don't even sit at the dining room table let's get it out of here so we got rid of the t dining room table and put another futon in there just for um you know more space and we have like extra storage in there too for like our kitchen and stuff and my wine fridge is in there but it stopped working so I'm very sad about that didn't stop her from drinking all the wine though. well it's more like wine storage now it doesn't chill anything but it's fine for red wine but we got a lot of great new music to get to. I got a lot of stuff coming from the um, promotional and label websites that I work with. I actually got a new guy that contacted me today that I'll be working with soon. That's fun. Um, some great topics to get to. I kept adding them as we went along with the last couple of days, so that's funny with that. But uh, Some cool stuff to talk about, so we'll be getting to that. One of the things that came up more recently that I had probably heard but just kind of forgotten about over time but apparently the topic of someone posted a meme of how cliff burton had said that at one point during the mid 80s around master of puppets era they were considering firing uh, lars the drummer from the band metallica and it came up in a book uh by scotty but yeah so he he, he brought it up and he's like stirring the pot you know <laughs> yeah that's what everyone does but like the funny thing is it was a rumor for a very long time and in 2018 when kirk hammett was interviewed by somebody 
uh, he actually confirmed that they were strongly considering removing Lars from the band. Now, obviously there are fans and people who come in and say, well, that probably couldn't have happened because Lars was the founding member of Metallica along with James. So, But the, the other part of that is that Cliff uh, had said basically, at least, at least rumor again, that had Lars kept the name, they would have gone on with a different moniker. Uh, but now I don't know how James fits into all that, but apparently Cliff and Kirk, and Kirk admitted this in the interview that they were strongly considering removing Lars because apparently there were some business decisions that they didn't like. But shocker there, um, which unfortunately that got hijacked when Cliff passed away in the uh, bus accident. So. I think the band admitted at that point that they didn't want to shake the rest of the band up because, you know, they were starting They just to... had a tragedy. Right. But I think when we think about Injustice for All and how that sound came out after Cliff's death, I think we kind of understand exactly what happened there and how Lars became a bigger factor in how the music was being produced and stuff like that. Of course, they... Who knows? It's it's all kind of like you know you watch it, like it, some of the docs that they've done, the movie they did. Uh, with, it's always like he said, she said too. Right. It's like you know somebody who's not even in the band writes a book that he heard a rumor, and Lars is like, I didn't know any of this was happening because they were, he was questioned about it, and he, right. he basically said, if this was a decision going on, then I clearly missed it, but. You know, it happens a lot with these bands. I mean, Metallica's been around for, what, 35 years? Mm -hmm. More? It's a long time to be with, uh, you know, co-workers and friends, because they, they are, and when you... They were starting out, and they were doing great, and then they start, you do have to treat your band like a business if you want to grow it, and maybe there was some things on the back end that Lars was not you know on on the table for but we don't know because it, it happened so long ago and we're just going by it's kind of like I was telling you when we were watching that uh that 30 for 30 with Sammy Sosa and all the stuff with the steroids started coming out a lot of that shit came out of um of Jose Canseco's fucking book mm -hmm. and that's that's like you know stirring that's stirring the pot and then they're like oh well, do we have but there was a little bit where to smoke there was fire with all that so. but you know what i mean like it's like so we have to go off this book and that's what's kind of is this it's like you got scotty and saying yeah, i heard, it, I heard it, a rumor it clearly opened the door because i think that kirk doing the interview a couple of years ago would have never even mentioned it had some pride didn't mention to him so. and he, but he i think kirk was probably treating it as something he moved on from Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, this, this happened a long time ago, and life goes on, So, but now we need to make a big deal about it because it's in the book. Well, obviously, Kirk probably also underplayed it. Like, who knows how bad it was then as far as the way they describe it, but Kirk is obviously not going to shake up the band more now because mm -hmm. they've already gone so many years beyond that. But I found the article interesting in the whole topic because one thing that I noticed about that era of Metallica with Cliff was that Cliff was a big contributor uh, songwriting wise and when I went back and and realized Master of Puppets is my favorite record from them and anything of course previous to that like Kill 'em All and uh, Ride the Lightning but I like Injustice for All 
and Justice for All is okay. I like maybe two or three songs from that, maybe two or three songs from the Black Album, but and even maybe a couple off Load, which I don't even listen to anymore. But the point is, is that I think what would have happened if Clifford had remained, and what what would happen if they actually did kick Lars out? How do we think Metallica would have pro progressed there? Because I think about it, and I think about as I was telling you before we started that songs like Orion and some of the other songs on Master Puppets, how they were more layered with some progressive styles in some ways because they were doing a lot of different things with the arrangements. Mm -hmm. The songs were longer. Uh, you still had the major part of the thrash that was the the majority of what the music was, but you know, I think of some of the bass lines that Cliff had, like you just never really got that later in the career once Newstead added to the band. Newstead mm -hmm. was good, but they weren't doing the same kind of things with Jason as they were with Cliff. And I think that had Cliff remained, I think that would have... And, and that's, of course, it depends on Lars and what he was doing. But the band may have continued to go down the more thrashier part of it. Uh, instead of, like, eventually becoming the what they did in 91 with the Blackout. And so I think, I think at some point after the success of the song One... Lars and James, they kind of just came to the conclusion that, you know, maybe we need to go more mainstream, that we can make... And that's kind of, you, you see, that's the, the trajectory that they started right. going. Right, And And I'm not sure, though, that Cliff was really the kind of guy to follow that. Like, he always seemed like a more, like, I want to just do the craziest shit out there and just keep pushing the music, but I don't think he would have ever settled. And I, I, it's it's always interesting to kind of put that in your mind and say how do you think this would have gone with with uh cliff still being around like is and it's sad and it, and you're like you know because um newstead is kind of like now clearly he's been with the band longer now than cliff ever was but he's always kind of in that shadow so well, it's he's like he's not there anymore well he's, he was he left, like in mid-90s but still he was there longer right so it's like he was always there for like you know as in the shadows and and he kind of probably felt like he, oh yeah well he needed to be in his place and just be when like, he came in like you know justice for all the biggest criticism is that they turned the bass down they didn't really let him shine as much on that record which is very surprising because he was a very good bassist. It came from Flotsam and Jetson, so I don't understand why they initially even did that. Um, but, you know, he, he rolled with the punches. He knew he was the new guy, so he was just going to kind of... And I think that's what he was doing. He was just like, I am not going to try and, you know, we, this is already... Complain. Yeah, this is already a well-established band. Right. I don't want to, like, rock the boat at all. Yeah, I'm sure he felt honored to be the guy to go into Metallica, even though he knew it'd probably be hard to shake the shadow of, of um, Cliff. But interesting anyway. Yeah. I, I kind of wonder what could have been, so that's all interesting. Anyway, let's get into our first block of music. Uh, new stuff from Disburial and Maul. Uh, but we're going to kick it off. Brand new Lamb of God. Uh, their new record. Yeah, you know, I, the funny thing is, like, I wasn't overly impressed. I don't, it's not because it's really bad. It's just that I think over the last few records for them, a guy has just become sort of samey for me. And 
Well, they're very true to their sound, and right. I think that's part of it with Lamb. Like, I love Lamb of God, and I'm. But see, for part of me, it's okay. Like, that's their sound, and, and that's kind of the thing with me. Is like I think of the same thing with Overkill. Like, they're not breaking any new ground, but with Lamb of God, I think I tend to get a little bit bored faster than I would with Overkill. But uh, they still have some solid tracks on it. It's not like a bad record. Um, I usually will go back to the first two or three records from Lamb of God when I want to feel like listening to them, but. Um, the new one wasn't horrible, and this song I chose is probably like the one.
are called Raven and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. We got a topic about Behemoth, but before we get to that, a couple of other little tidbits, tidbits, quick updates. Um, so we've made an investment, Neko and I. Um, Anubis made an investment. I didn't even know what the hell it was. <laughs> no, she didn't. But this is the, this is a funny thing now because I, even though I'm going to look into this, like I bought this mobile recorder. It's a linear PCM recorder, so. I discovered this through some other people a few years ago at MDF. They were going around. They would do podcasts as well. They were going around and interviewing people using this recorder and getting little sound bits. So I thought to myself, well, that's a really good idea. You know, they should be doing that too. Now, here's the thing. My partner here is also going to have to learn how to use this thing because she's going to be doing some of this stuff too. So... I, it's a good investment. I, she didn't know I do, was doing it, but I thought it was something going to be fun. Oh, uh, I don't have any problem with you doing it. I just, like, it showed up. You're like, yeah, I ordered this thing. And I'm like, I, I did. Know. I did this thing. I don't, I, I don't even know what the fuck this thing is. And then it, it, it's here, and it looks like one of those, uh... It looks like a looks like Star from, Trek. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> tricorder or something. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it... Kirk Spock. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a little bit more, uh... I know you can, on your phone now, the phone can do everything, but it has two powerful microphones and it's a little bit more hardy than just using your phone for doing voice recording. It's so, I mean, we haven't really played with it much. We should play with it a little bit more. I was looking, I was looking at it and I was adjusting some things and I was testing it out. So there's some things that I've got to learn how to do with it, but uh, I've got the little trusty book. And uh, we got plenty of time for a concert startup again, so I'll figure out what, how to utilize that. And of course, um, apparently you can cut out some outside noise when you do. It has this. like noise reduction and right. everything, so that's nice. I mean, I think our next planned um, event is the Devin Townsend show September. in September. So hopefully, I'm home and um, I can go with you, but. That would be nice just to like kind of catch a few people and say, "Tell me your, how you." Yeah, because it's not just for you know the bands or artists. Like if we do MDF, doing exactly what those guys did, they were just going around asking random fans, like, "Like where are you from?" Blah blah blah. How you feel about it? And yada yada yada. Uh, in other news, a uh, good friend of ours, Lou Yardley from the UK, author of was it the Wings Flutter. Darkened Wings Flutter, which you haven't finished yet. And I haven't now, even started, Lou. Oh I'm so God. sorry. I'm Lou, so I've already sorry. read the... I could have read the book five fucking times. <laughs> He's the slowest reader in Hellhound, which took him six months to read. But I got it done. Did, I had I to read it, it to him. I had to finish reading it to him. He likes I love Lou, though. She's my girl. He, he likes me to do the voices and stuff, so I was reading it, and he was just Maybe like... Maybe that's just what I got to do is have you read this book. I loved this book. This book was an... She's a great writer. That's the thing. Well, this book, Darkened Wings Flutter, it deals with moths and, and bugs and stuff. So it kind of... It's enough to creep me out because, you know, bugs... But bugs. she's working on a new book. It's called Banished. Now, I can't give too much away because I'm a patron. Special me and whoever else is a patron for her. And 
So we have inside info that she hasn't quite released yet. Now she goes and she obviously goes on her page and, you know, puts a post that says, hey, we've got a name for this tavern that she's got in this book called Banished, um, which I'm not going to give out because I can't do that without her <laughs> You permission. can't do it! But she also has these other things that she's doing with the characters. Now, as patrons, we were able to, to give character names that we wanted in the story, so I've got one that's going to be in the story. Oh, is it, is it going to be an important character or, uh, or a I tertiary think, character? I think she's still weeding that out. So I have no idea where my particular character is going to be. But uh, she's drawn up what she calls character sheets. And it gives a breakdown of the character, what they do. Oh, that's fun. Now, I'm not sure how she's going to apply that when she goes to... Uh... Well, she's outlining the book right now. She's deciding right, on but the like, story. Like, the... I don't know if that's going to appear in a book like that. No, 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 no. That's, that's all part of the, the process. You know, she, she has an the idea pub. of... The, the pub, the yeah. Publicity of it, yeah. So she's um. She has she has a, a concept like in her brain of how she so she's going to start outlining it, and then she's going to start inserting like the more detailed information as at least that's what a lot of writers do. They they get an idea. I don't think every writer just sits down and just types it out. Some might, and but a lot of times you just kind of get an idea of where you want your characters to go and what what the story kind of like in a summary in your head so you start just by outlining maybe a character doesn't get introduced right away maybe a character is a different character uh especially like in hellhound they had you know some characters were human some were werewolves that's all that all gets figured out as the story starts to unfold in the author's mind yeah, and what's cool, though, like I said, the character sheets that I saw, she had an example, and it was really cool. It reminded me a lot of Dungeons & Dragons. Mm -hmm. um, so it's going to be really cool. I'm really looking forward to this book, even though I probably won't read it for another two years. You're the uh, slowest reader. I'm worse. the fastest reader, and he's the slowest I reader. So I might actually jump into this book uh, faster than the one on you know, the Dark and Fluttered Wings, even though like you'll probably read that to me anyway. But because of my, I have a character in it, so maybe there's like this added interest. Um, either way, uh, she's she's a great writer. She has a lot of books out there. Uh, Lou Yardley. Uh, she has some short stories. It's fiction, horror, thrillers. Um, it's all in that vein. If you are into that fiction type stuff and like it, check her out. She has a lot of good material out there. I got a few of them downloaded on my Kindle. I started reading The Forest, but then... I paused that and read Dark and Wings Flutter, and then... Yeah, you were like, I'm already done with it. I'm like, what? <laughs> it took me like two days, three days, because... I literally had the book sitting next to me, and I just have not even gotten What's, what's under here? What book is this? Oh, that's the shark book. I okay. haven't even read that one. That's, that's sad. Oh what am I going to do with you? I don't know. All right, so one of our main topics today... Um, we had a chance to sit down with this doc on YouTube called... It's called The Satanist of Warsaw, and it was uh, done by Loudwire. It was a mini-documentary where they visited Nurgle in Poland to discuss Behemoth's uh, album, The Satanist. And um, they Loudwire actually named it the metal album of the decade. Um, it was really interesting, like... Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there that even... And it's a 30-minute documentary. Anywhere. Like, right. it, it's so fast to watch, but if you are a there's fan of... There's a lot of, of information in there, though. Like, for 30 minutes, like, you, you, you think of, like, 
you think of Behemoth and you're like, oh, there's bad and there's Satanists and this and that. But, like, Nurgle is, like... He's smart. He's smart. He was on The Voice of Poland, so he was, you know, a, a panelist. Yeah, The Voice's version, or Poland's version of The Voice, which is, you know, they have famous people, singers and artists sitting there uh, watching people try to sing and compete with each other. Um, so, yeah, you know, one thing I didn't really realize, like, I mean, obviously I knew that metal musicians and singers are all smart in their own ways because you find that out as you're listening to their music and whatnot. Behemoth's been around since, like, the early 90s, and their music has changed and progressed over time. They've went from, like, basically a straight black metal band to black and death and so on and so on. Now they've kind of got, like, a gothic tone, which I picked up on the last couple of records now. The Satanist, for me, the record itself, was not that thrilling for me. I think I liked two songs from it. In the Absence of Light and Ben Sahar were really the only two songs I liked from the record. Um, obviously, there were other people that felt really liked it a lot more. In fact, Loudwire had done this interview with Nurgle because they had chosen The Satanist as the album of the decade. So, obviously, it's revered by some and not as crazy by others like such as myself. Um, I'm still a Behemoth fan, and I, I'm a big Nurgle fan because I, I just like his approach, and this documentary helped me see things about him as a person that I never thought even imagined. We, we've discovered that this guy, as you said, is a great businessman. and He he owns three barber shops, and the, it's a and, chain called Barbarian. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's awesome. There's, like, uh, goat heads on the wall... And it it looks like Nurgle. It looks like that. It it totally has his personality. Mm -hmm. He also um, he um, loves to cook, and he loves Morrissey. Those two things just like I'm yeah. Like, the guy that went to interview him, he was actually cooking him breakfast or something, um, which I thought was kind of funny but cool at the same time. And he didn't mind doing it at all. He has a really cool home, and he's got this one picture of Hello Kitty burning down a church, and I really need to find that picture. Yeah, yeah like, that's really, that's so fucking, like, black metal shit right there. And it was interesting, too, because, like, in Poland, they're very, very Catholic. And I, I didn't realize that they were so Catholic in Poland, but they are. And um, he, he tore up a Bible on stage back in 2010, and, like, here in the States, shit, like, shit like that happens all the time. Crazier shit happens on stage. As long as you're not, like, raping somebody on stage or, like, you know, doing anything with naked body parts, usually you're fine. So, I mean, people might talk about it and, and be just, oh, you ripped up a Bible and they're disgusted by it. But in Poland, it's actually against blasphemy laws. Mm -hmm. And he could have gotten like up to five prison. yeah five years in prison and or excuse me up to two years in prison for polish blasphemy laws for tearing up a bible but this this uh charge kept coming back because they would charge him with one thing and then it would go through court and then they charge him with another thing and it kept getting tied up in court for about five years all while this is happening he had cancer and uh he had to deal with his cancer um 
he actually at one point had one and a half liters of fluid in his lungs and they had to put something and aspirate to get the fluid out of his lungs. And he said after he, he conquered cancer, he was really never going to take his body for granted. So he was started focusing on running. And that's when um, he really started concentrating. Like, he always was into his music, but he said, like, running really gets his creative juices flowing. Yeah, I think one of the other interesting things about the whole, like, you know, his barbershops and stuff like that, he somehow has made money through something whether it's investments whether it's the appearing on shows like the voice or the barbershops whatever but in the dock he's literally driving a benz like a mercedes like a fancy benz. one yeah it's not like you know some of the shitty cars that we all drive out here but and i'm just wondering too because it's a german car if it's like way easier to get mercedes well, well not there. only that but like what's the cost that they might pay like you know it might be way cheaper to buy benz over there mm-hmm. than it would be here so, but it, it was interesting, and I thought it was a great dog. So definitely check it out. It's called the Satanist of Warsaw. Uh, Nurgle gives a little bit of input on how he became a Satanist and what it means to him and whatnot. He's just an interesting man. Like Very. I, I, well, I never well spoken. I never like put any kind of thought into Nurgle ever. I'm like he's he's in Behemoth, and this is great. And then now we we saw this very short documentary. And I'm like, this dude is smart, he has a sense of humor, and he's a he's a survivor. He's a warrior. Look at him. He, he you know, he kicked cancer's ass, and now he's, like, taking on the world. He's really trying to just pursue his passion of music, and clearly he's doing well for himself now, and he, he's healthy. And the best thing that, you know, we wish for him is stay healthy and keep making music. Yeah. No doubt about it. Stay fucking metal. Stay metal. All right, our next block of music. A bunch of stuff from our labels and uh, promotional sites. We've got Horror Pain, Mike Giuliano, uh, Zeno Corp, and Angel PR. We're going to kick it off, though, with some Horror Pain in a band called Locust Rain.
Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics to do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you Right. Finished up that segment with Desert Near the End and Putrid Awful. DJ Anubis. And DJ Neko here. Back with you, Hordes of Chaos, episode 68. I swear that uh, Desert Near the End, that song Throne of Martyrdom, it sounds like a Jesus Christ Superstar song, but kind of like metaled up. Like the. Metal I, up. I, yeah. yeah. I, I started. <laughs> I started looking through some Jesus Christ Superstar songs, and I'm like, I haven't found it yet, but, like, there's a couple of parts of it that remind me of Jesus Christ Superstar. I, I don't know how many of our listeners are, you know, fans of Jesus Christ Superstar, but it, it's not bad. And I, um, I found it interesting, especially the part where they're like, crucify him, crucify him, and I'm like, that is, like... Jesus Christ Superstar. There's like a whole song that says crucify him, crucify him. Anyway, I enjoyed it very much. I was like, this is this is Jesus Christ Superstar, but kind of like meddled up. That's some great shit out we're playing today, so good stuff they're sending us. So I think it was like a week or so ago you had brought up a topic uh, you wanted to discuss, and I thought it was interesting. So It is actually very interesting because um, uh, there are several like master's thesis like studies written about accents disappearing regional accents not just in the united states but overall in the world because you know nowadays everybody kind of consumes things more more like broadly internationally um Back in the day when there was no cable, there was no internet, there was, you just had your same, like, four to six channels locally. Everybody kind of fed off of each other, you know what I mean? Like, you heard the same things, you watch TV, and you're seeing the same people. Now as, as things are kind of broadening, you're, you're seeing a lot of these accents are kind of melding together and everybody's starting to sound the same, especially um, what's happening in the U.S. is even very distinct accents, like maybe Southern, you, you think of like with the draw and everything, a lot of the younger people, they're not really picking up on it because the way they consume their music or they're, you know, they're on their phone, they're watching TikTok, they're, and you're watching TV shows and very rarely does anyone have a distinct accent anymore. I mean, let's think about it. They're even talking about in the UK, like the, especially the Northern accent is really disappearing and everybody's starting to sound like very similar. It is interesting because like when we watch the behemoth thing, 
Nurgle, despite still having a bit of an accent, his his English was really good. Like, yeah, his English was perfect. He almost could have passed for being American. Yeah, his English was exactly like what we sound like, but maybe like just with a tiny, right. like a tiny little hint of Polish in there, because he's Polish. But it sounded... So everybody who speaks English is really starting to speak English in a very similar way. Most of that is kind of attributed to our international climate. Like, I live it when I work. I work internationally all the time. So you're seeing, and I, I work with a lot of people who English is their second language, and they're speaking English basically the same way I'm speaking English right now. There's no weird, like, no stereo stereotypical accent that you would think of. It's all just boom, English. Yeah, I found, like, an article or a website. It's called English.stackexchange.com, and the question of our regional accents disappearing and just haven't really read through a whole lot of it, but some of it, they say, can be to globalization and multiculturalism as being some of the reasons why we see a lot more of that. Some people have mentioned social media has played a part mm -hmm. in that. So I mean, the Internet, and, and think about just, I want, not cable television in general, but, like, cable television was the start of it. You kind of have now cable available all across the United States, and now everybody's watching the same thing across the world because we have streaming channels, we have Netflix, we have Hulu, we have all of that. We're all kind of watching the same thing, and it's kind of like getting in our brains. Like, a lot of people ask me, because I'm from Baltimore, I've lived here my entire life, and they're like, where's your where's your Baltimore accent? And I'm like, eh, it probably comes out when I'm a little drunk, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My parents, they definitely have that little bit of a Baltimore accent, but me, eh, who knows? Maybe I do, maybe I don't. I, um... I think, too, it's just as, you know, you're getting down more generations and because the media, you know, it's everywhere. I was telling you this about my niece when she was younger. You know, she's maybe like four years old and she used to watch the show Peppa Pig. And Peppa Pig is an English cartoon. So she started getting a little bit of an English accent in some of her words because she's watching Peppa Pig. And picking up yeah, on and it. she's picking up on it and she would watch it nonstop. So we start seeing that just in general. I mean one interesting thing that I I found in this article that I was reading was when we put people on TV, if there's a very specific archetype like if somebody is an oil tycoon you're always going to give him a texas him or her a texas accent right or if somebody like nashville yeah or if you've got like bama you've got like a mafia kind of movie you're gonna give them that like Italian. that that jersey Sicilian yeah right. yeah they're you're gonna have that little bit of that kind of uh you know, New York, New Jersey kind of accent. And even nowadays, though, you're starting to see a lot of people are losing, you know, you might have a little bit of it, but the people are losing it because everything is so broad and everything is so giantly consumed. So you and I, we're from two entirely different parts of the country, and we both kind of sound similar. And mm -hmm. I think 
that's kind of showing where it's going right now. Um, this article I was reading too, which is kind of interesting. Um, if you are like a stoner, I hate to like use that, but hey, dude, yeah, like hey, dude, they say a lot of time um, that is a very generational thing. Just kind of like the Valley Girl from yeah, California. I, I, it's definitely a California thing. So, like, surfer, you have... Surfer top. So, and, and it doesn't even just mean California. It's just you, as a person is growing, some people kind of gravitate... No, no, you don't get it. Sunshine is California. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to put that clip in from Remember the Titans. <laughs> so, you think, like... It's it's more of a generational accent that these people are attributing to things that they grew up with. I notice it with friends sometimes because uh, I grew up in the '90s and the '80s, and I'll like I'll catch friends still kind of like I don't know what to call it, like almost like like almost like the rapping while they're talking. I know that sounds crazy, but like short and like. What's up, well, baby? Yeah, What's up, baby girl? Well, you know, like, like slang and lingo. So, so and it kind of keeps because that's kind of what you held on to growing up. Right. I find that interesting too because it's what you consumed at an important part of your life, and that's where like the Valley Girl, the Stoners, the I don't I don't know the rapping, speaking and rapping. Well, that's a, it's a simpler <laughs> things too. When I first moved out to Maryland in '91. Mm -hmm. Coming from Colorado, uh, we called soda pop, mm -hmm. like pop. So when I got here and asked for a pop, they're like, look at me like I'm fucking alien or something. Like, you know, soft drink. And they're like, oh, we call that soda. Yeah, we we call it soda here, and then you have to say like diet. Coke, but now Sprite. I don't even I don't even call it pop anymore. You just call it soda. Yeah, you've been here a while. You've you've, you've assimilated. Right. But I've also noticed too, because there are that's very Colorado uh, Midwest kind of thing too, where you call it pop. Um, sometimes when you ask for a Coke, like I would like a Coke. Coke is like the universal word for soda in some places, and they'll be like, "Okay, what kind of Coke?" Like, right? <laughs> have to break it. You down. have to be like, "Do you want Sprite? Do you want?" And they're Pepper like, or whatever. "Yeah." So Coke can be just like a term for soda to some people. I find it. I find this kind of thing so interesting because even I, I'm almost forty, and that this is only. 39 years of the small life of the world to see how different things have changed just in my lifetime. Everything used to be like very regional. You live here, you get a job here, you go to school here, you cheer for your teams that are here. This is everything is where you live. Now, with the availability of the internet, with, again, streaming services, cable TV, satellite TV, we can watch the Denver Broncos every single game, and we don't live in Denver. It's because we have this ability now, everyone can watch anything they want, and also... Your allegiance doesn't have to be to that particular state. Yeah, you, you just you pick up things from other places that just... I mean, before, you had, like, public access TV and your couple of channels, and then you got a couple of, like, main shows that, that were on at the time, but that's all you had. Nowadays, 
everything kind of has a similar sound and similar vibe just and I'm not talking about like the themes I'm talking about just the way they sound everybody kind of has a very similar kind of sound and a lot of that has to do with just the globalization of news and media and the availability of everything another um observation of this article was saying we are 81 percent urban meaning even though it may not be a giant city 81 percent of the population is more urban now than it was so we live outside of baltimore we live right outside of the city i mean some parts of dundalk are considered city so take that and compound it now you look at some of the other smaller places that we like bel air north of us it's huge now it used to be this small main street town but it's huge they consider that as becoming more urban urbanized and the rural aspect of life is kind of diminishing so because everybody is closer to cities we're all starting to talk a little bit the same you know what else is interesting hoser that band Rush from Canada. Oh my God! <laughs> They're saying the same thing about Canadians. They're all starting to sound the same, regardless of their French Canadians or not, too. So uh, the other day, uh, Neko and I have always had this like debate about Zeppelin versus Rush. She's never been like the biggest Rush fan. Now, granted, I love Zeppelin just as much as Rush. Mm -hmm. So, but. <laughs> Rush is uh, going to be celebrating their 40th anniversary for Permanent Waves coming up. Yeah, 40 so what years. They did, so what they did was they created a video. Um, it's animated and has, like, obviously the trio in kind of, like, cartoonish form. It's it's great. It's, it's, it's very beautiful. Good for it's Spirit strong, Radio, wonderful. One of their biggest hits and whatnot. Um, it's very touching at the end, giving some uh, a nod to the late passing of Neil Peart, the drummer. But uh, it's interesting that they're doing all this. I'm, I'm happy they are. Like, you know, I keep trying to get Neko to get more and more in a rush. She's still not budging very much from that. I'm not saying I hate Rush, but for me, Rush is like a mid-level, mediocre band. And I know oh, there are I know there's probably heart. millions of people who disagree with me, but... I I think they're I think they're okay. I just don't love them and I appreciate what they've done for music and I also appreciate their level of talent. They're very talented musicians and it's only 3 of them. And um you know with the passing of Pert and the things I learned about him, the struggles in his life like with his his family, mm -hmm. you know, passing away and everything, it was just like really crazy. So you appreciate the effort and the amount of work that they've put into their music even more when you learn that they've they've overcame these struggles. So that being said, I, 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 to, to not be a Rush fan does not mean I don't appreciate their music and I don't appreciate their, their no, she, talent. She, she does like some songs from them, like Tom Sawyer or Free Will, so it's not like she totally hates them, but... Whenever yeah, the topic between Rush, it's not, it's not Rush like stained. And, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're gonna get into another block of music, and these are our so. Wait a minute. Where where can you? What's the uh, website for the? Because uh, you have to. If you Google Spirit of the Radio, um, I don't even know if they give a website yet. Um, no, nah, I, I, 
they're, I think they're still working on it. Because um, we, we found it on Facebook. You have to watch it. it it's it's it, it, there's, a, there's a website called UltimateClassicRock.com, and they have, obviously, the... Uh, so that's not, like, book. Spirit of the Radio's official music video. I don't think they had one before. So. so they made it as a tribute. But you got it if you just Google it and check it out, it's it's awesome. Yeah, it's an amazing video. It kind of like goes through from beginning to end. Yeah, you're not seeing the members as they were in the late career. You're seeing them as the time period that that song was released. So it's like 70s and they've got the younger look and you know they have little animations of Neil driving like it looks like a I don't know what kind of car that is, but uh, it is in there. It's just my cool. only complaint was I thought that they didn't have enough drums for Neil. <laughs> right. I was like, well, I thought he had this. They giant... can only fit so much on that screen. I thought I thought he had this giant drum set. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry I yeah, that's hijacked a... that. That's all right. Uh, so getting into this next block of music, uh, there's a couple bands here that Metal Mania was playing the other night on Wednesday, which was a great, great show. Um. The first band we're going to be playing is Antagonism. Um, I had a chance to hear that record. Very good record. It's their, actually their debut. They had an EP, Thrash Opalypse. I can't even say it. Came out in 2018. Thrash Opalypse? Yes. That? Uh, World on Disease is the record that came out this year, uh, the full length, and it's fucking amazing. Very good stuff. The band is out of France. And then, of course, I have a band called Vermint that's in here uh, doing Necessary Evil. And then also another band that was played on Metal Mania on Wednesday night, Metal Coma, out of Denmark, uh, with some new tracks from them. So here we go, and taking this.
to touch on something I forgot to say at the beginning of the block. Um, antagonism, uh, I wanted to say their sound of their record reminds me a lot of uh, classic Metallica, Death Angel, or Testament. Like, I had that very big vibe for them, so... Just wanted to point that out. It's pretty good shit. It uh, is pretty good shit. Rock Block getting ready to kick off, Ooh, as usual. Got Neko's Pick of the Week in there. Uh -huh. Got a couple tracks from Grand Sounds, a track from Curtain Calls, and we're going to kick it off with some classic Dream Child. I uh, still am amazed by this band when they released this record like two or three years ago, I think. Um, obviously, it was members of Dio's band and the singer. He's, I forget his name, but he's, he really has like Dio's sound in his voice, which when I listened to this song the other day, I'm like, i got to play this again. It's so fucking good. It's kind of like a, a little bit of an homage to a Dio himself. Right. It's all original music, but like literally, if you did not know, like I thought maybe this was a... a band a deal had done that I had not heard of when I first heard the record and I was like looking it up and checking it out I'm like wow it's good shit so kicking off this week's rock block with Dream Child Under the Wire
live life in the fast lane? Do you have the need for speed? Well, if you're a racing fan and want to be a part of a winning team, then contact Carmichael Racing. Carmichael Racing is currently looking for sponsors for the upcoming champion flat card season. You can be a part of a long tradition of racing as Paul and Rhea L. race to the finish line at Mardella Speedway at Diamond Head Arena in Gilbert, PA, March 13th through the 15th, 2020. They will also be racing at Hunterstown Speedway and Capital City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Racing runs deep in the blood at Carmichael Racing, and they are looking to gain sponsors for a new upcoming season. If interested, you can contact them at 443-202-3016. That's 443-202-3016. You can also find them on Facebook at SRChamp36. Carmichael Racing. Together you can soar as the engines roar.
DJ Nibis. And DJ Neko. All right. So I tied up with some Molly crew there. Had some Leather Sand, some new stuff from Dead Daisies. A lot of good rock and roll to go, as they say. So now it's time for Neko's Pick of the Week. I think I played this track before in a past episode, but... I wasn't here. She wasn't here, and it's so damn good that we... Uh, we decided to do it again. So... What actually kind of spurred this song was, you know, everybody, when they were in quarantine, when you were at the mandatory stay-at-home, everybody was kind of doing all these Zoom calls and trying to get together and do fun stuff. It was like, oh, the quarantine version, blah, blah, blah. Well, this band and this song, if you look it up on Facebook or just if you Google Doobie Brothers, Blackwater quarantine version they did the song while everyone was in quarantine and it was phenomenal and I think that's just kind of what made me want to pick this as my pick of the week because we watched it a few weeks ago and I loved it I loved I it loved loved. <laughs> you love it. <laughs> yeah I think it's it's interesting about the whole quarantine thing is that many bands and artists all across the globe kind of got together and you know, did some collaborations with songs and like even like Blue Oyster Cult um, redid Godzilla uh, via video, which was amazing. And you know, uh, no body count. They they released their new video that way. In quarantine, yeah. like they all recorded themselves, and it was it was awesome. So with this, I love this song. I love, and this is the original. This isn't the quarantine version. The quarantine version is almost like a. It was perfect. It was together, and it's amazing what technology can do now. Um, I always, you know, because I'm a dance teacher, I really always wanted to do a dance to this. I thought it would be, like, amazing. I've just never had the ability to do it or found the people that I wanted to dance to this. So this this kind of hits me in many ways. Like, I love the Doobie Brothers. They remind me of Chicago. Like... Over the years with the Doobie Brothers, with, with they've always kind of evolved their sound, like just depending on what's going on. And they had different singers involved. And, you know, like uh, Michael McDonald, you, you when there's it's like a different era of the Doobie Brothers. Well, ironically, like we talked about last week, it's one of those bands that go on at the radar <gasps> that you just don't think about when you think of that time period. So. Exactly. Like, and. You know, like Chicago, like the Doobie Brothers, you know, you definitely hear their, inf- like, you with Chicago, you, you hear the Peter Cetera era. Like, it's very distinct with Doobie Brothers. You hear the Michael McDonald, you know, era. It's very distinct. So I, I enjoy the Doobie Brothers for being very resilient and because they just always keep bringing everything that they did over the years, they just kept evolving. And this particular song is just, it seems like a little funky, huh? (laughs) And it has like, kind of like that southern southern rock to it. Yeah. 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 So I really enjoy this song. So for my pick of the week, it's the Doobie Brothers' Blackwater. Good pick. Attention, please. Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. 
mama come and dance with your daddy all night long I'd like to hear some funky Dixieland Pretty mama come and take me by the hand By the hand, take me by the hand Pretty mama come and dance with your daddy all night long I'd like to hear some funky Dixieland Pretty mama come and take me by the hand By the hand, take me by the hand Pretty mama come and dance with your daddy all night long I'd like to hear some funky
This is Hugo Flores from Factory of Dreams and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Enjoy the music. Alright. Lapsus Day closing out the rock block falling apart from their latest release. I really like that song. I was just saying to DJ Anubis, I, I felt it was very gloomy. Almost, and you really feel the melancholy yeah. in the song. It was it was kind of nice. I enjoyed it. Yeah, good stuff there. Good, good stuff. I think the album's called Sea of Deep Reflection, so that kind of matches everything, that, uh, the vibe that you get from it. Mm-hmm. All right, so one of the movie reviews we wanted to get to, I think it's the only one we have in this episode, but it's a 2017 film called Brawl and Cell Black 99. And I kind of just saw someone post this in one of the Facebook groups I'm a part of, like, you know, horror, grindhouse stuff, and this apparently is like a modern-day grindhouse kind of vibe film, and... It really was, especially the end, I mean... Watched, uh, watched it with Neko, um, not really sure what to expect out of it, but it has, like, a pretty big cast of, uh, popular actors and actresses. Vince Vaughn is the lead... Uh, Jennifer Carpenter from the Dexter series, um, Don Johnson, obviously, uh, Udo Kier, longtime uh, horror icon. So a lot of a lot of big names in this, and basically it centers around Vaughn's character, who's an ex-boxer, retired boxer, who uh, I think he does like a stint of prison for a short term or something. Comes back, tries to work, but gets fired, and then. Results finds out that his wife, uh, who is Jennifer Carpenter's character, uh, is cheating on him. So doesn't do anything to her physically, but obviously he's angry. Takes it out on her car. <laughs> yeah, he really took it out on her car. Um, but then you know they kind of fast forward a couple of years. She's they've you know rekindled the relationship. She's pregnant with their first kid. He's now gone basically to what would you call it, transporting drugs here and there. Yeah, he's a drug mule. So he's making a lot more money. He got a nicer house and the whole nine. And eventually, though, he gets caught uh, on a deal gone bad. Now he's going to a prison where he's technically really only going to serve like seven months or something due to his plea deal. But however, uh, in the process of the night that he got arrested, he killed the two guys that were basically dumbasses, but were also the lead guys for the drug dealer he works for. So the drug dealer is basically not wanting this guy to get out. So he's, he costs he 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 says he costs him like a lot of money. millions of dollars right. and because you know their shipment was seized and the whole nine. Um, but the reason why Vaughn's character would be getting a break is because he actually killed the two guys who were actually shooting cops. So he's they sort of gave him leniency there, but drug dealer doesn't want him to get out, so he's doing everything he can. And let's just say this is not the typical Vince Vaughn role. No, he's actually very good at it. It's he's, one of his it's better It's very roles. dramatic. It is, and he is 
like I it's see. It's a far cry from uh, the uh, breakup. The breakup, yeah. So usually he's done a lot more comedies. Um, what was the other one he did? The kickball or something? Dodgeball? Wasn't he in that one? I don't. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, it's a very serious role for him, and, you know, he's really kind of a badass. He doesn't really use weapons. He's, like, just basically punches a, people. Yeah, he's a former boxer. That's yeah. why they, they emphasize his, his strength. His strength. His strength. His strength. She wants his trunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, the movie, you know, it starts in the while he's in prison. It's taking a bunch of twists and turns because it finds out that... He's thinking he's doing things to get him out himself out sooner, but turns out to be kind of a trick. And then, of course, you know, the ending is not what you expect. Don't give it away. Um, I don't think this ever hit any... The well, it was released in theaters on October 6, 2017. I don't remember much about it, so it must have been a very small select Yeah, because this would be right up our alley. We, I haven't heard of this until you heard of it a couple of weeks ago, so... Yeah. We, we would have definitely seen it, and that sucks because, like, I I hate when good movies like this just kind of... Swept under the rug. Yeah, they get swept under the rug, and, and but that's happened with movies in the past where they may not have this great theatrical release, but then when they get, you know, out on DVD or out on streaming services, they start getting this nice uh, cult following. Yep, so definitely check it out. It's called Brawl and Cell Block 99. All right, back to the music. Uh, one point of emphasis in this block, kicking off with a band called Hateful Agony, and one of the members, I, I he, he goes by Tom. Now, I don't know if it's actually the drummer, because they also had a bassist named Tom. So this band has been around since 2000, So this is, but this is the first I've ever heard of them, period. So I'm thankful to Tom to reach out to me with his music uh, to get it aired because I had a chance to listen to their last release, which from 2018 is Plastic Culture Pestilence, and that record fucking kills, dude. It is fucking awesome. So I'm going to have to do some research and go back in their back catalog a little bit to check out some of their older works. But uh, their new release from 2018 is like right up there with like you know the the newer age of thrash with like Warbringer, Havoc, and Shrapnel and all them. So, uh, it's a really really good record. Like, yeah, that's, I don't, I that's don't, big crazy. I don't even know how I missed it in 2018, but I did. But uh, I was happy checking it out and listening to it, and it's fucking amazing. So I'll be jamming a lot of those tunes on my iPod going to work next week. <laughs> Um, but the track I chose off that release is called Obsessed with Death, and they're kicking off this new block, so check it out. Enjoy.
This is Sky Nielsen Promotions. I offer the most affordable, effective, independent metal promotions one can find. If you've got a metal band, project, or art that you want promoted, simply search for Sky Nielsen Promotions. And you're listening to Hordes of Chaos on Metal Tavern Radio. She's in love with herself. Alright, DJ Newless. DJ Nico. Back with you, the Hordes of Chaos. Metal Time Radio Podcast, episode 68. Mm-hmm. So, much like everything else that we discuss when we do podcasts, we came across an interview. Actually, I think it came through um, the Fat Samurai Guy. I think he posted it. We love Fat Samurai Guy and their Fat reviews. Yep. Uh, so, he posted something in regards to Predator film 1987, and I saw that in the theaters. Arnie Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, etc. If it bleeds... Yeah. You can kill it. 
Um, but what I didn't know was, uh, leading up to the making of that film, uh, the Predator was actually being originally played by action star Jean-Claude Van Damme. The actual Predator. Like, yeah. the Predator suit. The guy in the suit. Um, so, I found it funny. I think there were some quips made that, you know, Jean-Claude was like, doing too many kicks or something and I don't know it, it, but to be fair with Jean-Claude the, the suit that's they had him thing. in was a lot different than what the final work ended up being so I don't know if the suit that he was wearing which is really pretty bad like if that would have been the Predator back then that would have been really bad it just movie. wouldn't have been as cool right so uh, I don't know apparently you know Jean-Claude has recently come out and talked about um how he was actually having problems with the suit that he was wearing in order to maneuver enough, but obviously as an athlete and a martial artist, he was able to impress him enough to try to get the role to be the Predator. Um, I don't know. I, I almost feel like, because it's you don't see his face at all, it's almost like a step down for him because he would get the acting credit, but nobody would realize that he's the Predator. Well, but the thing is, you have to think of the time. Like, Bloodsport didn't come out until 89, so he really hadn't even... You know, that's true. I, I keep... He was a nobody I forget that about that. Right. I forget, yeah. So, uh, and I, I mean, I've seen other um, action stars now that actually did a lot of stunt work back in the day, so I can kind of see John claude doing something like that, but apparently... The, some of the struggles that happened, according to him, where the suit he was in was having a hard time breathing, and you know, it was kind of clunky the, the original suit. So it's kind of amazing how far, if you ever check it out, how far they come from what the original Predator costume looked like to what it became. Uh, it's like the concept different. was yeah. one thing, and then it, you know, the final product was another. Right. So. Uh, that's just an interesting tidbit when it comes to filmmaking, like some things that you just wouldn't expect. Even to like, I think some time ago, I can't remember what it was, but they were doing these auditions uh, that got released, and it was for Star Wars, you know, Harrison Ford doing Solo. But there were some other big name actors back then who you wouldn't even dream of that were actually trying for some of those roles. And Lucas was like, I don't want. Big, big names. names, right. And that was one reason why they didn't want Harrison Ford, but he was so persistent and he read so well and they're like, you are, you're, you're solo. Right. It's, it's just, we can't. Just can't get around that, man. I love, though, with Jean-Claude Van Damme, I love, I love him and I love, like, the, the split kick, you know what I'm talking about? Remember, um... It was he and Chuck Norris. They were kind of doing like battle uh, memes and battle commercials. commercials yeah, trucks. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. I love martial arts movies, and I think that's one thing that kind of like brought us together too. You did well. I mean, it's not like I had a resume and I gave it to him, and he's like, "Yeah, she <laughs> passes." But just, yeah, just check these off, and then we'll <laughs> go from there. But it was just kind of interesting, you know. I mean, in a couple of days, it'll be, what, 18 years since we met from our first date. Almost two decades. I know. So, like, when we first met, I, you know, I was, 
I I called myself kind of a metalhead, but I didn't really delve into the amount of metal that Anubis does. So if I wouldn't have met him, I wouldn't have known. Like, for me, I I've always loved Judas Priest, but for me, Judas Priest was like an '80s band, and then it just I never knew. Like, I just didn't keep Leona up. And- yeah, I didn't keep up with it. Same thing. Like for us liking Godzilla, both of us, and liking martial arts movies and kung fu movies. It was it was like a big deal when, you know, we're getting to know each other and I'm like, Do you like Kung Fu movies? And he's like, Yeah, I like Kung Fu movies. Let's watch a Kung Fu movie. This is gonna be really fun because we like each other a lot. <laughs> and that's kind of how it was the first, you know, year we were together. Like it the felt feeling out process. Well it was like it felt like everything I said to him I don't, I mean, you guys don't know me, but for me, as a woman, like, I would get guys who would be interested in me, and then they would, like, lose interest quickly, or, you know, I'd have something of a relationship, but it would be, like, really... Their loss. Their, yeah, it is their loss, but... I was always like, I'm never going to find somebody. I'm never going to get married. I'm a weirdo. I, I listen to metal music. I I watch Kung Fu. I watch Dragon Ball Z. I, I'm just really nerdy. And he found all of that endearing and exciting. And that's what I love about my man. High <laughs> five. Yeah, high five. So it was very, it, like I said... With the our anniversary looming, I I do think back on those things like, you know, we can appreciate Jean Claude Van Damme and we can appreciate like everything that has happened in the history of martial arts movies and <sighs> I feel so at peace. <laughs> Touch the feels. I know, I'm a nerd. Again, I am a nerd. This is why I never thought I would get married. So as we start down the home stretch here with our music, uh, next block I have a couple tracks from Grand Sounds from Blood Hunter and Terrifying Parasites. However, before we get started on that, speaking of Krypton Scully from Metalomania, yeah. uh, one of their long time one of their longtime uh, supporters is Charlie Ziegler from the band The Militants, who always gets airplay on Metalomania a lot. So. I talked with Charlie a little bit, and we got hooked up, got some music. Was he the one guy who was just there and just happened to do that interview? No. Oh, no. Okay, wrong guy. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry, never Never mind. Wrong guy. Nah, but uh, much like Hateful Agony, you know, the militants have been around since, like, the late 90s. Actually, they have a couple of demos from the early 90s, but I did you know, that's way back. Uh, but I think their first full length came out in 99, even the score. And So I had a chance. Charlie sent me some of their tracks, some of their stuff they wanted to air out on our, our podcast. And took a chance to listen to it. Very good thrash metal crossover stuff. Um, the guy, I've, Charlie, I've talked to him on, you know, whenever Metal Mania is airing. And he's a very cool guy. Lots of fun to talk to. So uh, we're going to play some Militants now for you all. Very uh, nice. Track for I chose for this episode is called Frontline Kill. And here we go. Fill with the blood of the blood 
fucking love this. <laughs> Masturbation with the Bible. Good nuns gone dirty. <laughs> Sounds like one of those videos you'd catch from the 90s. Like all the uncensored, like, you know, girls gone wild yeah, shit. Yeah, good girls, good nuns gone dirty. <laughs> Taking off their habits. <laughs> with bad habits. Ah! Yeah. Hey! Hey! DJ Neko here. DJ Anubis, thank you very much for tuning in for this week's episode. We much appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed all the topics, all the great music. And special thanks to Sky Nielsen Promotions for all our support, as well as Metal Mania, Krypton Scully. Uh, much, much, much thank you for that. And, of course, all the labels and promotional sites that send us the tracks to play. We enjoy that as well and appreciate it very much. Yes, we do. We are always out on the search for new underground metal. Or rock. Or rock. rock or whatever. Too. We, you know. not Nothing light, though. DJ Anubis doesn't like it when I try to bring the lightness in. <sighs> yeah, just as sometimes you gotta, like, just pull the fucking cord, you know? Pull the plug? Pull the plug. <laughs> pull the, the plug! plug. 
<laughs> All right, all. We got one last track for you. It's brand new stuff from Sickening Horror Outburst. Peace. <laughs>